And we're live. Welcome, guys. It's Sunday, October 30th. It's Halloween Eve, if that's a thing. And I'm, as always, Dr. Demania Zubin, if you're nasty. Come on in. We're going to talk about a few things. We're doing it live on YouTube because it's Sunday rounds. I was going to do the usual Sunday Zen, but this, the news is so difficult uh, today that I thought let's just make it rounds because a lot of times in healthcare on in the hospital wards, when you're doing rounds, there's some heavy shit, you guys. And uh, when I saw the news coming out of Seoul, I thought this is pretty heavy. But before we get into that, I, I have to do this housekeeping thing because you guys know I don't sit around pitching stuff all day. So I'm gonna do it at the beginning of the show and get it done with, and then you guys can forget about it. Um, but maybe don't forget about it because Tomorrow is the last day that you can order cool alt-middle stuff to kind of represent like what this whole thing, this whole movement of like understanding nuance, looking at all sides as trying to be good, trying to pick through and find a synthesis position from a lot of noise and make sense of a senseless world and get back to some sense of overall meaning through awakening, mindfulness, the other things that we talk about. There's dumb merch that we make that's kind of funny. My kids actually designed two Christmas shirts, uh, actually one Christmas shirt with different styles. And there's alt-middle for life, there's nuance, there's pens that are unstealable and um, all kinds of stuff. But tomorrow's the last day to order it in order to get it. For Christmas, my lovely uh, co-conspirator in crime, Marisa, is managing all that. So go to supportertribeforlife.com. If you're a paying supporter of our show, you get 20% off. Check your supporter feed for the coupon code for that. Otherwise, get that stuff. The other thing I would love you guys to do is if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, if you're like a Facebook user or a Twitter user or you listen to the podcast, subscribe on YouTube because increasingly I'm gonna focus the juice on YouTube because YouTube is not disgustingly gross like Facebook and Twitter. Locals is great too, where we do supporter group stuff. So you can definitely sign up there, but please subscribe on YouTube because that way, and turn your notifications on, that way you'll get notified when I go live or when I'm doing a show about all the things. Um, I like it because the algorithm on YouTube is actually pretty smart um, and it doesn't really as much reward the kind of clown foolery that we see on the other platforms, which we'll talk about on today's show. Everybody's here, Jane and George and Vicky and Michelle. So we got the comments. All right, let's, oh, the other thing, last thing, podcast. If you listen on any, we're a big audio podcast too. We poured our thing over. The audio quality is really good. When we do interviews, it's a great way to consume it. Please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app because that helps us reach a lot more people. We're already one of the bigger science and medicine podcasts. So it'd be great to be able to reach people with our message. All right. That being said, dude, when I saw the news coming out of Seoul, um, the Itaewon district, I hope I'm saying that right. I've not been to Seoul, Korea, but I've been wanting to go uh, ever since I've been obsessed with K-dramas and K-pop and all the other things that the world gets obsessed with because Korea has been having over the last few years a moment, right, in the popular culture of the world. And it's well-deserved, actually. Um, it's a really remarkable culture, remarkable people, remarkable energy. And during COVID, they um, kind of very early on, they learned a lot from SARS the first and did a lot of things that actually had a good effect up front, right? Um, but it's been three years since large public gatherings have really been allowed. 
uh, as far as I can tell from the, you know, the news and the articles that I read. And so for the first Halloween in like three years, they were allowed to gather in big groups in the Itaewon district, which apparently is known for its Halloween parties. Like just, it's a rager in that district. Um, and the place had seen some hard times during COVID because of lockdowns and all of that. And so, or, you know, decreased economic activity. And so it was starting to kind of have a resurgence. And so thousands of young people came out for the Halloween celebrations. Um, and you would think, okay, this is a beautiful expression actually of what happens when you stuff young people into a box for three years and tell them that they're killing grandma and that, you know, they, they could get long COVID or die and so on and so forth. And they have, you know, these are people in their twenties. Y'all remember what that's like for those of you who aren't in your twenties right now. Um, it's your time. Like, you know, they say youth is wasted on the young. It, it, it's actually not. It's your time to do crazy shit and go out and have fun and be with other people and party and not party and study and do all the things, right? That's why I think in healthcare, it's such a, it's kind of a, it's really this interesting bargain because you're like, I'm gonna sacrifice a fair bit of that for this profession and delay my gratification until my 30s or later with loans and all of that stuff. And I'll tell you, you know, don't delay, have fun even while you're training. It can be done, right? So don't don't miss your youth because otherwise you become a weirdo. You really do. <laughs> uh, and so this being said, here come thousands of people from around the world, right? We have Americans and Iranians and Frenchmen and people from everywhere coming to this district to celebrate. And people are dressed in costumes and they're having a good time. And I'm sure there's alcohol and I'm sure they're having a blast. By the way, did you guys know that Korea has the highest per capita alcohol consumption rate in the world? It beats Russia by something like threefold. Um, it's really an interesting culture, the drinking culture, because it's a, from what I was reading, and again, having not been to Korea, I'm not doing this justice. So I'm just gonna parrot what I've read about this, which is it's a, it's a very high stress kind of working culture. Very, you know, it, it, there's a lot of stress, but part of it is then you go even with your coworkers and there's the kind of ritual of drinking with a group. And a lot of times it's soju and, and other kind of um, fortified alcohol, alcoholic beverages. And as someone, I love soju, um, but I only drink it rarely, but you know, you can get pretty hammered pretty fast. So it's kind of, it's got that kind of cultural component to it, um, which has its downsides, right? Liver disease and all the, the downsides of that, but it's more a culturally accepted piece. So you have this big event where lots of people are showing up. And if you've seen the video of this prior to the, the tragedy kind of striking, um, you would see that uh, it was um, packed. I mean, like devastatingly packed. Like when you see the number of people in this very small district and there are these tiny side alleys, right? So you have the big wide open streets, then you have these tiny side alleys. You're, it, it gave me a panic attack just looking at the number of people packed in face to, to back of head everywhere you look, like it looked like, you know, the Hodge in, you know, the pilgrimages that you see where these kind of things can happen, you know, in, in the Middle East and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, soccer stadiums, football stadiums in, you know, Great Britain, where these kind of things have happened, where people are just packed. 
And then something happens because the dynamics of large situations where there isn't a lot of leeway, something happens. Someone thinks there's a celebrity in a local bar and there's a crush, or someone says there's somebody with a gun. That's actually more commonly what happens in the US. Someone says, hey, I think that guy has a gun. And then it, it leads to this panic that ripples out. And then everybody tries to move. Now, he, here's the problem with that. You have a bunch of people with no space trying to move at once. And it turns out that generates a tremendous amount of force. Actually, the amount of force that can bend steel can be generated by all those human bodies trying to squeeze through very narrow spaces. And that then leads to disaster. And people who've survived these kind of mass, um, you know, you, you call it a stampede, but that, I don't think that really does this, this dynamics justice because it's not really that. It's more that it's a group of people. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, how are you going to define stampede? The, the thing is, you, when you think of stampede, you think of animals trampling other animals or trampling humans or something like that. And you get this mistaken idea that most people will die of being trampled by others in a panic trying to get out. It's like people squashing each other. That's not really what happens. People are squeezed by the mass and the inability of that mass to go anywhere. And the collective action of that, because remember, we're both individuals and part of something bigger, the collective action of that being pushed up against a fence or a wall or the ground means that you, your ability to expand your rib cage and draw breath depends on these intercostal muscles. And if the force on the, on the rib cage and on the chest and on the abdomen is greater than your ability to expand with your musculature, you are not gonna be able to breathe. And so the way people die is actually even worse. It's even more tragic and it entails deep suffering, which is suffocation. Because in suffocation, you know you can't breathe. And so people who have, um, people who've survived these kind of events will say, oh my gosh, like I couldn't breathe. I, I was gasping for air. I knew people around me were dying. It was just the worst kind of thing you could ever imagine, right? And somehow they survived, they were resuscitated or they got out or whatever. And then some people do fall. And if you fall, then you get squashed under the weight of all the other people above you and people are scrambling, trying to get out. So it is the worst possible hell on earth to be in something like this. And this is what predominantly late teenagers and 20-somethings went through in Seoul, right? So if, if, if you can see those videos and hear that story and not be profoundly moved by it, um, I don't know. I just don't know what to say. Um, when I saw it this morning, like I was kind of beside myself. And you don't have to have massive amounts of empathy. You just have to, I think, be awake. Um, to feel what that's like, to think about what it's like to be a young person going to celebrate and then being caught in something like that with no sense of control uh, and, and then potentially suffocating. Uh, and when you see the aftermath of it, of bystanders, there weren't enough medical professionals obviously at the scene. They interviewed a, 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 a doctor from Florida who was there and said that cops kind of grabbed her and was, were asking her to help. And it was just bodies piled up everywhere and people doing CPR on people strewn everywhere on the street, civilians doing CPR. And if you see the images of it, just lines of people.
strangers doing CPR on other people. Like it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's indescribable. And when I say, when I say we're individuals and we're part of something bigger, that's what I mean, right? You see lines of people doing CPR on strangers, doing chest compressions, because these are young people. If they just went through this, you could theoretically resuscitate them. And this is going on. I mean, just imagine, put yourself in that scene and see what, what that feels like, right? And then put yourself in the shoes of the parents who get, get the call that their daughter or their son has died in this event and watching this on the news, right? It's horrific. And, and, it, and it's not like there aren't horrific things happening in the world. A bridge collapsed in India in Gujarat state where my family is from and 80 people died. Holiday revelers, again, coming out because people are tired of COVID and they've been locked up for years now. And they're coming out in mass, right? And so one of the people who died in the Seoul event was a third year nursing student from Northern Kentucky named Ann. And she was doing a study abroad in Korea and was there and lost her life in this event. And I mean, the whole thing is just awful. So why talk about it on this show? Well, first of all, to understand the medical stuff that goes in, which is this is a suffocation issue. The second is to figure out how do you prevent this, which means the authorities did not, from what we can see, and again, it's very difficult to be a backseat quarterback on this because we don't know what the authorities knew or didn't know what their presence was and so on. But from eyewitness reports, there wasn't a lot of police control of the number of crowd. And remember now, they've been out of practice for how many years? And now there's this huge crowd, which again, speaks to, so better crowd control, better control of these numbers, knowing that these alleys are very narrow, knowing the dynamics of this, is a big part of the battle of what do you do, right? This is why also you're not allowed to yell, like we talk about free speech, which we're gonna talk about with Elon Musk. You're not allowed to yell fire in a crowded theater because it can create a stampede, this kind of phenomenon, right? I'm not saying that that's what happened here, but this is why we, we can talk about the tension between autonomy and freedom and communion and our responsibility to others, because we're gonna talk about vaccines as well. And the third piece of this that I think is particularly tragic ties into the other pieces as well, which is the following. We have locked up our young generation for the last couple and a half years and have told that we basically instilled in them a mentality of fear of guilt, like, oh, you're gonna hurt someone, uh, an elder, and of kind of almost shame for being young. Like, oh, how dare you go out and celebrate something in a group of friends? How dare you go and date people, you know, without wearing three N95 masks? And judging by what happened in Korea, this is the first time they were able to do this. Why was the crowd so big? Really feel into that. Three years of repressed youth and they do what is absolutely natural, which has come out in, in force. Now, what the authorities should have done is 
understood that, okay? And the second thing we should have done is we should learn that, hey, mm, the virus actually doesn't affect young people as much as it affects old people. This is a very age-dependent and condition-dependent virus. So why are we hitting it with a one-size-fits-all hammer, right? Let's read some comments and we'll talk about vaccines because we're talking about one-size-fits-all hammers. Um, and I gotta go early today because my 14-year-old daughter who was on the show last week, Z-Pup Prime, is doing a symphony concert with the Peninsula Youth Orchestra. And uh, so it's a high school level orchestra and some younger kids too. And uh, it's just an amazing orchestra and I can't wait. They're doing Beethoven's Seventh Symphony and some other pieces. It is insanely hard music and I can't wait to see it. So I'll have to go because I gotta get my family and take her. I already dropped her off because she's warming up and I gotta run. So, all right. Um, let's see. Um, I don't know if COVID has much to do with this. This stuff happened before COVID also, David Palermo. No, you're right. But the event in Korea, I'm pretty convinced COVID, there wouldn't have been such a big crowd if there hadn't been so much repressed demand for this. That's what I think. Now I could be wrong, but that's my feeling. Yeah, these things happen. Absolutely. And we have to understand the dynamics of crowds better in order to prevent them. Um, Kay Pedraz says exactly, uh, Z, the, the price these young people have paid and keep paying seems extreme and just so very wrong. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's wrong, it's morally wrong, it's outrageous. It's almost like an assault by the elderly on the young. But they're, they're not, the elderly aren't really doing it. The young are kind of complicit in it because it's a group think that we've kind of instilled. And, you know, it, it, it's... I understand that it's hard to specifically protect old people. I get, I understand that. I know the pros and cons of this, but what we've done has costs. It, like you could consider those 153 dead and how many injured right now in South Korea. These are young people with an entire life ahead of them. In the whole history of the pandemic so far, I think 400 some children have died in the United States, which is terrible. You can add these young people to the list of COVID casualties, I think. I don't think I'm being unfair saying that. So th these, these responses have a cost. So let's talk about vaccine fatigue and the vaccines, because I think this ties right into this. You guys know I'm a massive advocate of vaccines. I'm an advocate of the coronavirus vaccines for people at high risk, the elderly, um, people who've never been exposed to COVID so early on, I was like, just go get this thing. I think it's important. Then when the kids version came out by that time, I'm like, well, a lot of kids have already been exposed. If your kid's high risk or you're just high sphincter tone about it, go get it. But I don't think we should mandate it. And the booster, I think, okay, for people over 50, for people with chronic disease, it seems like, and Paul Offit, vaccine specialist we have on the show, agrees, probably a good idea because it generates a little bit better protection against severe disease hospitalization. But for everyone else, especially if you've had the disease, the two doses are fine. And if you've had the disease and done fine, you could even argue you don't really have to push the vaccination. It's a good idea because you get more robust and broader immunity, but you don't absolutely have to push it. So what did we do? Oh, we mandated it for employees and we mandated the three shots for college students. Okay, this goes right back into telling college students the wrong thing about science, about risk and about their selves. You know what, if you don't get these three vaccines, you're not gonna graduate, you can't come on campus, you're gonna kill one of the professors and so on. Even though the professor has every ability to get three, four or five vaccines and wear an N95 mask. They have every ability to do that. So why are you telling a 
18-year-old freshman you know, in college that they have to get this or they can't come when we know that actually the young men like that have a non-zero risk of something like myocarditis, which even though most people do better, it's still, this is a relatively new vaccine. So we don't have long-term data. I think it's probably okay, but we don't have the long-term data. So why would you take any risk when the benefit in that group is nothing? It's barely anything to get that third dose. So we did that. Now some colleges are mandating the bivalent booster. Okay, this is where I get really upset. People like Paul Offit get upset. People like Vinay Prasad get upset. People who kind of study this stuff. And this is why we're upset because there isn't great evidence for young, healthy people that the two doses, plus or minus the third booster, don't provide good enough protection against severe disease, hospitalization, and illness through memory B and T cells. So far, the evidence is they do. Now, if you're at high risk, you can always get the extra dose because what it'll do is generate high levels of neutralizing antibodies in the short run that will protect you for maybe a little bit of time, lower your risk a little bit of getting infected. Will it, will it eliminate your risk of getting infected? Ask Rachel Rochelle Walensky, the, the head of the CDC, she got the bivalent booster and got COVID a month later, tested positive. So does it prevent infection? No, as Paul Offit said, that was never the intent. The intent was to prevent severe disease and death, and they do that. So why are we telling young people in some colleges like Wellesley, I think, that you have to get the bivalent or you can't come back? knowing that it's all downside and no upside to get that in that age group, none. So, and how did they study it? In a few mice. And then when the small human trials preprints come out saying, hey, you know what? The antibody levels aren't really much higher than the original booster for Omicron, the original formulation, the OG Wuhan formulation, probably because of immune imprinting and so on. Um, Peter Marks at FDA says, oh, well, you know, those are small studies. Wait, wait, so the study you're using to recommend the bivalent booster for everyone was based on like eight mice, but when you have like 23 humans and looking at anybody data, that's not big enough. I'll wait for the bigger trials with Pfizer and Moderna to come out. But you're already recommending the thing. And when you recommend it, when CDC puts it on the, the you know, schedule of normal childhood vaccines, it's not a mandate, but it's there. What's going to happen? Dummies, bureaucrats, people with no brains for science at all or common sense. And most of them are tribalized because in, in, in academics, it's a very leftward kind of shift. And since the whole thing's been tribalized, vaccine's good on the left, vaccine's bad on the right, which is pure idiocy on both sides. Both sides are absolute morons when it comes to thinking straight because they're captured by these group think hive minds, right? <laughs> you, what, what's going to happen? You have this political bludgeon and, and that's what we're seeing is mandates, mandates. So what, what does the public do? The public's actually not that dumb. Uh, the public is like, well, wait, I don't really need this thing because I've had COVID. I got vaccinated and <laughs> I had COVID again. Uh, people I know are not filling up hospitals right now. People I know are not dropping like flies of COVID. Very high risk people can take appropriate measures. In most parts of the country, nobody's thinking about COVID. They're not wearing masks. They're not doing all that. 
and that's why all these, you know, the, the, the standard colds and RSV and flu are coming back, which we're going to talk about. Um, this is dumb. I'm not getting this. So who's gotten it? Hardly anyone, especially not young kids. So that's, people have just had it. In India, uh, the Serum Research Institute or whatever, these are fellow Zoroastrians, run by fellow Zoroastrians uh, in India, uh, had to throw out like a hundred million doses of vaccine because there was just, they were expiring and there was no demand. COVID, COVID shield, I think. Uh, people have had it. Um, and I don't think, I think people actually are understanding risk better on mass than the pockets where people don't. So now, why now, now, okay, now where is this, why is this a problem? Oh, well, you know, overdoing it's probably better than not overdoing it. And public health just ought to push all these things because we need a one size fits all thing because most people will bleed out. They're not gonna comply. So we'll get enough compliance. Okay, but what's the downside of that? Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode. It's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also wanna hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at zdogmd.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me and we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is if you want to be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we gonna transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. All the harm that we're causing. Just like I said, that the, the, the soul... Uh, everybody coming out at once after three years of being locked away uh, is, a, is, a, is an epiphenomenon, an untoward secondary tertiary effect of our policies. So is vaccine absolutism because what's happening now? People aren't getting flu shot. They're not getting childhood vaccines. Now, why is flu shot important? Well, okay, oh, but flu shot's not even very effective, you know, 30 to 50, per, 60% effective, depending on whether they get the strain right, maybe 50% this year. Uh, listen to yourself talk. If you can f reduce your risk by 50% <laughs> of, of getting flu, which it, at, the, at the minimum will knock you out for a few days, at the worst will kill you. And it kills people of all ages and all uh, uh, wellness levels, although it does prefer young and old, like all the things. Um, what, why, why not, right? Do that. And if you don't want to get it, fine. You don't mandate it. So What's happening? Nobody's getting it. Now, I got it. My two kids got it. And boy, I tell you, that vaccine's a piece of cake compared to COVID. You get the COVID vaccine, you're out for a day with symptoms. That's another secondary effect. You want people to get boosters and you're like, oh, if you get a booster and you have a really robust response, now that some, there's some science saying that that means your antibody levels were higher initially. Okay, so I've had two. I had terrible responses. Then I had a third. I had a pretty... Uh, 
good response to that too. I'm probably good. <laughs> Why would you put me through that again by mandate? By mandate. So people just know they have common sense. And I think the science, whatever that is, the process of understanding so far supports that you shouldn't mandate this vaccine. You should make it available and optional. That's what I think. So flu, I would argue, hey, you should get the flu shot. It really has minimal downside and a reasonable upside. And if you don't wanna get it, that's cool too. If you've never had flu and you're not worried about it, okay, I get it. I'm, I'm not gonna push it, um, but people aren't getting it. And do we think flu season's gonna be bad? Yes, we do. It's showing up early. We saw in the Southern hemisphere, it doesn't look good this year for flu because everybody's opened back up, which they should have been in the beginning anyways. We've really altered the kind of natural course of these uh, viruses. So, you know, that's what I take. That's what I um, think about this. Corey says, how about people who are getting blood clots and the fact that these blood clots have don't have the nutrients that blood should normally have? Corey, I don't, that data is not, <laughs> I, I've looked at that. So, and this is where we'll get into Elon Musk and, and so-called misinformation, all right? Um, Mr. Natural says, I get it. I've been stuck between these two sides the last two years. My community asked me to coordinate the COVID response, so I foolishly agreed. I'm so sorry, Mr. Natural. You're probably Mr. in pain right now because you have to navigate. If you're alt-middle and you kind of see all the little bit of truth, but partiality and everything, you're probably looking at everybody and going, all these rat bastards are crazy. They are crazy. And it's not their fault. It's like this, this mass lunacy on, on all sides. Like, the, the people who are like, you know, saying things like, oh, you know, the vaccines are causing massive blood clots and all that. We're just simply not seeing that on the front lines, right? So I don't think they're doing that. But I also don't think that they're entirely harmless, like the myocarditis thing. And the fact that even if you have to take a day off because you're having shitty symptoms from the thing means you better have a benefit that's accruing because of that. And if there's really not much benefit, why are you forcing people to do it? Or even encouraging them if they don't have a ton of risk factors. So, I mean, this is, this is the mistake that public health has made. And by the way, we don't exist to serve public health. It, it goes the other way. So they have to do the most good for the most people. And I don't think that it's really on mass been succeeding that way. And, and as Mr. Natural says, you got it, Zito, good people on both sides. They're, I mean, they're all going through their moral matrix trying to be good. And, but what we see though is, is behavior that is, uh, is groupthink modulated. And it's not even their fault. But once you know that that's there, once you know that's a possibility that, oh, could it, this be a part of a kind of a hive mind thing? And what does the other side think about this? And can I steal man? Can I actually persuasively argue the other side? Can I understand where they're coming from? Because if I can do that, then I can make decisions and I can communicate in a way that actually respects their moral uh, palate, their moral taste buds, and I'd be more persuasive too. But most people don't do that. They don't even try. If you look at them on social media and social media encourages this, it's just hate, 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 hate. It's tribalism, it's you're evil, you're killing grandma, or you're a COVIDian, you want us to be locked down forever, you want us to mask our two-year-old, all that other stuff, you wanna give our kids myocarditis. So all, all these sides are behaving in this very tribal way. And you can see, I get it, I get upset about it, but I'm I'm kind of upset in a in a globally outraged way, which honestly, if you talk to people in person, they are much more likely to take my sort of outrage than all oh, these terrible anti-vaxxers or these terrible COVIDians. It's much, they're much more likely to be, have an alt-middle kind of righteous indignation, which is why you ought to, you ought to, you know, join our group because <laughs> we are the rational 
the rational middle, and I'm not meaning a political middle. You can be a communist or a freaking fascist and be in the alt middle. Fascist a little hard, communist a little bit hard actually. But you can actually see all, all, all views as true but partial and have an integral mindset, a tier two, where you see kind of everything is necessary but not sufficient to, to get us to truth, which is always a moving asymptote that we never quite get to. Um, all right, and that gets me to, um, that's actually perfect lead into the last thing we're gonna talk about before I gotta go get my family and go see my daughter at her violin symphony recital. So awesome. And guess what? If they make me wear a mask, I'm going to punch someone in the face. I'm kidding. No violence. After the Pelosi thing, even joking about that stuff, dude. I mean, that guy was mentally ill, not just because he was Canadian. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't kill me. I got so many great Canadian fans. Um, I actually think Canada is our best 51st state. Um, but, but the whole, the whole hive mind thing, you drop someone with mental illness into one of those hive minds. And what happens? They show up at Pelosi's house saying, where was Nancy with a hammer watching all this crap in their particular hive? Um, it, it's, it's nuts. All right. So Twitter, Elon Musk buys Twitter. Thank fucking God. And I'm not saying because, because I like Elon. I don't care about Elon. I, I don't care honestly what he does, but I'll tell you this. I hate what Twitter does to human beings. It creates and encourages a mob mentality. And people talk about, you know, oh, you know, uh, there's hate speech and there's bullying. Yeah, that's all true. You can find that on Facebook. You can find that on YouTube. You can find that on TikTok. You find it everywhere. Twitter has a unique proclivity for creating a mob. And I know because I've been the victim of mobs on Twitter. They are, uh, first of all, they tend to be, um, they can be on both political spectrums, but Twitter as a whole skews left. So it tends to be the lefty mob, which is, believe it or not, is the cultural moment right now. Like the pop culture is the kind of wokey, like you couldn't make a movie today like Tropic Thunder. You couldn't make a movie like The Hangover. You couldn't make a show like the early episodes of Family Guy because they would get canceled. And those were all in the 2000s before it was in between the emergence of PC in the 90s, the kind of like, oh God, let's just have fun 2000s. And then everything since then has been a shit show. Why? Because social media came on board and turned people into total ass clowns. So Twitter is actually, you get likes and followers on Twitter by being a total douche canoe. That's how you get them. Um, and maybe that's a problem with me because I have like about 100,000 on there. <laughs> but, and all I do is post videos, <clears throat> right? But before I, I, I used to do that, I used to actually try to engage. What a mistake. What a mistake. Because all that's gonna happen is you're gonna get piled on by a bunch of tribal lunatics. And to be honest, a lot of times I was blind to my own tribalism. So I would make tweets and looking back, I'd go, oh, dude, that was dumb. That's like such a tribal tweet. That's such a virtue signaling uh, kind of move right there, whatever I was signaling. Like, and now I see it. Before I couldn't see it because I was in there. I was like seeing through it. When you see through the lens of that kind of tribalism, you can't see that you're doing it. That's why I keep fucking yelling about this shit. Like, it is so important. People are like, how do you fix the Z? Like, what do you do about it? You know that it's happening. You, you shine the disinfectant of sunlight on the behavior. And you know what happens? The biggest Shining is when you shine it in the mirror and it reflects back on you and you're like, oh my God, I'm a total douche canoe. Like I'm the worst. I'm, I'm worse than anybody I'm complaining about. Holy shit.
<laughs> my neighbors are probably like, what the fuck is going on? But th that's what it is. And then you go, oh, oh, oh. And you know what happens? You, we talk about the sense of moral injury where you're forced to do things that are against your morality. You look at war, you look at medicine, you look at healthcare. What about the opposite moral elevation where you're like, oh, I could be so much better than I am or people are really good. Oh my God, look at the people doing CPR on perfect strangers in, in Korea after this just mind numbing tragedy. Like, oh my God, it's just this expansion of connectedness, of meaning, of purpose, of, of oneness. That is what's on offer when you stop seeing through the lens of tribalism to find your meaning fix. Oh, I have a sense of meaning because I belong to a, a whole group of fucking douche canoes, like total dillwads, like all of them. God, I feel good because I'm part of this tribe. And if I say the wrong thing though, I am excommunicated and Twitter is really good at that. You say the wrong thing, especially on the left, you are gonna get reamed by your own people. Look at Lena Wen. You just get absolutely destroyed. And then they decide to censor misinformation, which happens to be all the righty-right speech. So what is this? Now you have a, a political left-leaning organization that's censoring right-leaning speech. Some of it's total garbage, you know, racist bullshit. That's fine. That's just, that's how speech is on the World Wide Webs. So you can find a way to moderate that without, you know, banning people. You know, it, it's, um, so, I'm actually glad Elon is uh, bringing, walking in with a sink and firing every fucking buddy who works there and uh, uh, cleaning house. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe it'll be worse. Either way, something's got to change. There's a tipping point where people are like, you know, this thing fucking sucks. And if it takes a, a douchebag billionaire to sweep it out, I'll take it. I'll take it. I wish someone would do that to Facebook. Um, but yeah, I, you know, so... What's gonna happen? I don't know yet. We'll see what Elon does. I'm hoping he does lean down the company because why do you need 7,000 plus employees to do Twitter? And last I noticed, Twitter doesn't do shit except for ban people. <laughs> so I canceled my account. I did a show on that because I was like, this place is a fucking nightmare. And then I realized at, at like day 25, oh, if I let my account lapse, a bot can actually take my account and start tweeting as ZDogMD. And I'm like, well, I can't have that. So I restart the account and I put in the handle. I'm like, this is just, I'm just posting videos. That's it. I'm not engaging with anyone. I'm not reading tweets, none of that shit. And I put it back up and, uh, and uh, I've been so much happier. And they took away my little blue check mark because they were like, oh, you know, it's a violation of policy to cancel your account. So we took away your blue check mark. I'm like, yeah, fuck the blue check mark. And then I was like, I'm curious, what happens if I apply for it again? So you go through the little thing and you apply and you, you go, are, are you a notable public figure? And I'm like, oh yeah, here's this page and that press and whatever they make you do. And I'm curious, I'm like, what's gonna happen? And they wrote back within an hour and said, uh, yes, we reviewed your account. You, no you, you do not satisfy the notability requirement. So I was like, wait, wait, I was notable before. And then I I deleted Twitter and basically gave a big fuck you to Twitter publicly. And now that I'm back, I'm not notable. Oh, I wonder what's going on on the back end of Twitter. What the Twitter employees who screen this stuff are really about. Are they unbiased? So when Elon comes in and fires every motherfucker there, that's probably a good thing. Now, does Twitter have the right to do that? Yeah. Fuck, if I was at Twitter, I'd, I wouldn't fucking give me a blue check mark. I suck. And I'm a, I'm a dick to the company. But if they're pitching themselves as the civil discourse public square, 
Well, then I think some degree of free speech and, and impartiality does apply. So if that's what they're pitching to the world, then that does apply. If they're, if they're pitching accurately, at the current incarnation of Twitter, they should say, yeah, we're a leftist uh, organization of uh, tribal groups that fight in the new sphere, the thought space in social media for social credit. And that's what we do. That's what Twitter does. And there's a little news and um, you know some funny stuff. That would be the accurate thing. So let's see what Elon does. Um, yeah, control the narrative, tag moniker. Um, Bully McGuire says, I only have a Twitter account so I can look at uh, at <laughs> porn. <laughs> I didn't know they did porn. I, I, don't, I don't really use Twitter for that. That's what I use Pornhub for. Come on, guys, let's be honest, okay? Don't beat around the bush. Sinawa Hall says that Pelosi story just doesn't make sense, distraction much. I, look, I, I don't know anything about it except for what I see on the news, both Fox and CNN, says a dude broke in attacked him with a hammer. He had a skull fracture or some other stuff. Look, the whole thing is terrible and it sucks. And it's right here in San Francisco. And uh, at first, when I saw the story, I'm like, yeah, San Francisco is going to hell. It's probably just a random break-in, but it wasn't. Um, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what happens with Twitter. So that all being said, um, I do have to go get my family and go uh, see my daughter. Uh, I hope, you guys had fun talking today. Sorry, I go a little off the rails. When it's live, I'm just like that. It's very hard for me to be inauthentic these days. Uh, pretty soon I'm going on a, a little silent retreat. So I'll be back uh, in a few days. And then I may just decide never to do another show, but that's never happened on my two prior silent meditation retreats. Instead, I come back even more volatile and unable to restrain anything that comes from the emptiness at the center of reality, the awake emptiness at the center of reality. All right, so do me a favor, subscribe on YouTube. If you like what we do, become a supporter on Locals, YouTube, or Facebook. It's five bucks a month. You get even more insane crap and you get to support all this nonsense. And then the, the merchandise stuff, tomorrow's the last day to get it. So go to Supporter Tribe number four, Life, L-Y-F-E. I put links in the uh, show notes um, on every platform. Go there. If you're a supporter, you get 20% off. Um, you can uh, get your supporter code in your supporter feed and get that gear. My daughter's designed two shirts. I'm turning them into little entrepreneurs. I said, I will split the, if we make any profit on it, usually we don't actually make much profit. It's more to get the things in people's hands, right? And pay the costs of it. Um, but if we make profit on it, I will, uh, I will split it with them. So they're becoming little entrepreneurs and they're super savers too. They don't like to spend money. So they're like learning to invest and do all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, these are first world, <laughs> first world um, treats to be able to teach your kids how to save and invest instead of just blowing it on hookers and blow. All right, guys, I love you so much. Um, share the show. Please take care of each other. I'm so sorry for, especially for that, that, um, oh, that poor nursing student um, from Kentucky and her family, thoughts and love and prayers go out to all affected by it and by the bridge collapse in India and by the horrors that are happening in Ukraine and the poor, you know, think about the Russian soldiers who are conscripted and have to go and fight and die. Uh, these are young, you know, men and women. It is horrible. All right, guys, that doesn't mean we can't change things. I love you. And sometimes changing things means a radical acceptance of what is and then doing the next right thing. I love you guys so much and we are out. Peace.
Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithms to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I want to hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.